0: And at some point, there's going to be a shakeout. It happens in every industry, and I don't know if 2017 is going to be the year that it comes to the whiskey industry. Whiskey, whiskey!
1: Welcome to episode 83 of The Whiskey Topic. I'm Mark Bylock.
2: And I'm Jamie Johnson.
1: And today we have Mark Gillespie of WhiskeyCast, and we've done an interview with him. We just finished recording right now.
2: It was awesome so much fun crossover podcast um yes. that's super fun see and that's that's sort of such a nice thing about the whiskey community is you know everyone uh is sort of always uh on board to you know give each other a hand pour each other a dram like you know that's that's part of the fun of being in this great community is uh yeah. there's no competition
1: it, there is. There, there's not. <laughs> there is. There is competition. There, there is competition. Uh, <laughs> but whiskey <can> cast, <laughs> undoubtedly, another more podcast on the internet uh, over ten years uh of recording, up to six hundred plus episodes. um So we've got a little bit more way to go, Jamie. We just got a little. We got bit. A little we, this I is episode eighty three. Yep. This is you know. I mean,
2: yeah.
1: Yep. Uh, I don't know. We got a little bit more ways to go. A
2: little bit more ways to go. Um. But it was. uh oh, it's such a pleasure to talk to him. And uh and uh, we talk a little bit about you know technology. We also talk about. Uh, Because, I mean, starting a podcast, you know, uh, 10 years ago, over 10 years ago now.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: uh, Is a little different. Uh, so, um, Mark actually got to start in, in, broadcast journalism. So, you know, having the ability to, I mean, we, we were pretty spoiled, Mark, like you just sent an, a microphone to my house from Amazon. I know you plug uh, into the USB and you Skype USB and Skype and we were, we were on the road. Um, but it's, uh, to think about what it took to do podcasting 10 years ago, um, it's kind of neat to hear. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was super
1: fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And we started the conversation about um, sound syncing. So (laughs) we're just going to start there. I was like, should I edit this out? No, no, we're just going to keep it. I think it's
2: fascinating. I was so fascinated to learn this little tidbit. It was like when I found out how they called proof, proof. Um, the the uh, this I think I've told this story like six times on this podcast about when the soldiers used to get paid in rations of rum and they used to light it on fire yeah. um, as proof of the alcohol content and that's a, whenever I find out these like little tidbits that make so much sense but like you never really think about I, it blows my mind like I'm like the easiest person to impress really
1: <laughs> and, and, tell
2: me a little tidbit
1: and this yeah. is gonna be our last podcast of the new year uh, of this year of 2016 uh, in 2017 you're gonna start your new job Jamie you're gonna be the brand ambassador. For Balvinie, uh yeah. for all of Canada, so we'll uh, we'll have new episodes for you then. Yes. Um, so, so enjoy this interview. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Awesome. I'm recording.
2: I won't accidentally click it off like I did last time. I, I
1: was doing a videotaping. <laughs> I was doing a, a video uh, like a for for a show, and they they had like two or three cam or they had two cameras, and they had like the the movable one, and they would clap their hands to to synchronize <laughs> the video. <laughs> At this point, I'm like, we don't even. I mean, I, I feel like we're more advanced with our three,
0: two, one than. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've actually done the hand clap too When I synchronize when I'm shooting video Is that what you do, really? That's what? No, that's what the clapper board was invented for It's the same thing, oh same principle Oh my god, no way so that's what they invented the clapperboard for, because they wrote the slate numbers on there for uh, the little blackboard thing, so they could write the take number and everything. Oh. That's the reason for that is the clapperboard, so you can sync all the audio. Oh, up.
1: Here I was like, "What kind of amateur oh. operation is this?" And meanwhile, no, this is just the way it's no. done. Oh my <laughs> gosh! <laughs> that's,
2: I didn't why
1: that's why they use that's why they used the clapperboard. <laughs>
2: oh my gosh! You just blew my mind. Well, I guess oh, we start. I, I guess we
1: started recording. Right? This is it. we'll, uh, we'll yeah, do the re- we, oh, yeah. yeah. This is
2: yeah, <laughs> this is basically yeah. it. This is. This is fascinating, because I've always, like, it's like, what is the what is the point? Why don't you just shoot the thing? Why do they have to go, like, clap? Because
0: you have to sync multiple cameras to it's, the same audio exactly.
2: track. Exactly. It just makes so much sense, but because it's one of the Because when I
0: shoot a lot of interviews, I'm shooting with my DSLR as the main camera on the subject, but I'm usually shooting with a second camera for cutaways right. recorded at the same time. But when I'm doing, for instance, if I do a cutaway where I'm asking the question on the second camera... I have to sync up The audio to the video Right
2: Gosh it makes So, so that, much let, sense So that's course. why you do it
0: So that you can Because you have That clap sound Or the peak On your audio waveforms So it lets you Sync everything up <laughs> That's amazing
2: It's so I It makes there'd so
1: be much sense I thought there would Some sort of Wi-Fi Nuclear co- clock uh, option You know From satellite syncing Or something But now there isn't There's just A clapping sound no. Now
0: No It makes no, sense Because that's That's why That's why they do it In, in movies and stuff So that uh, Because they're rolling The audio separately Yeah on, a, on an audio recorder and not necessarily onto the film so they have to sync it up somehow
2: see it see? makes so much sense see? it's just so 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 beautifully simple but so like majorly important amazing well, there's, there's I
0: beauty in simplicity in the simple
2: I know, you know what, I got a, um, a Barefoot Contessa <laughs> a cookbook for Christmas this year, and she says the same thing, she's like, simplicity is beautiful, and I really agree with that, so, yeah, yeah no, it's uh, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, and I, yeah. you and
1: I would not have had a chance to get into podcasting 10 years ago like Mark, Mark did, it was just... The technology wasn't there yet for kind of like an everyday uh, person off the street to just kind of pick up a couple of texts, plug them in, and 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 know the clapping trick that that I didn't realize. that right.
2: no, and, and fundamentally understand the clapping trick.
0: <laughs> Well, when you do broadcast journalism for 30 friggin' years, you'll figure it out.
2: Like, how do we well, sync actually, these
0: tracks? We clap, of course.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know what's so funny? So, so Mark, thank you for being with us. Now i got two Marks on the line. So this is actually really easy for me, <laughs> just so you know. You guys, you've made this really a simple uh, recording for me. Uh, yeah, but
0: we're going to confuse the hell out of it. Right.
2: <laughs> I know. I know. Um, and so uh, thanks for being with us. But I, I also, just in speaking about your broadcast history, so, sort of tell us how how did you make that transition from broadcast journalism into um, podcasting and also where whiskey sort of came in uh, and, and and all that stuff?
0: Well, I really don't think it's much of a transition because the only thing that's changed is the medium, because I'm still doing things the same way that I did them when I was doing all news radio in Houston 20 uh, some years ago, or the same way I produced videos or the same way I produce videos when I was uh, working in television news. It's the same concept, the same storytelling, uh, the same background. It's just that now I control the medium instead of uh, working for some rich guy or some corporation. Now it's... Poor little old us that runs the. Uh, it, basically, it's us that runs the company now. It's we're producing the content for ourselves.
1: I mean, you were you were way ahead of the time in podcasting. Not just Weird. in not just in whiskey, but podcasting uh, back then was also not as as predominant as it is now.
0: Put it this way: we were podcasting before podcasting was cool. <laughs> well, uh, to, to paraphrase the old country song, and uh, yeah. Well,
1: well, I mean, because podcasting came about because of the iPod and that name podcasting kind of came from that, but it wasn't it was so, I mean, it was very, yeah, it was very archaic back then.
0: Like, wow. It was archaic, but it was fun being on the leading edge because you couldn't make any mistakes because there weren't that many people listening. Right, right. So, you there were no you could make any mistake you wanted and when I go back and listen to some of those first episodes, now I'm going, "Oh, man, I would have done that so much differently today." But we didn't have the equipment that we have now. The computers have gotten far more sophisticated. The audio editing software is better, and it becomes a lot easier to do the job because the tools don't get in the way the way they used to ten, eleven years ago.
1: So, when when do you feel you because you, you start off, uh, you know, I've, I, you consider yourself an amateur podcaster originally? When did you convert? Where where do you officially recognize yourself as becoming a professional whiskey podcaster? uh journalists like at what stage did that conversion happen
0: okay let me sort of correct on that a little bit because the reason i started doing podcasting in the first place was as an expansion of the journalism work i was doing for the company i was working for at the time which shall go unnamed for reasons that'll be noted later Mm -hmm. they uh i was producing all of our content for a major news network both both television and radio And this was in 2005, and we got the bright idea that, well, there's this new thing called podcasting, and we should explore it and see whether we want to do a podcast based on all this content we've got. I was the poor guy who was going to have to make this happen, (laughs) and I said, whoa, wait a second, let me play with this for a little bit and see just what we're getting ourselves into, Right. and what it's going to take to make this work on a regular basis, because It's not radio, it's close to radio, but it's not radio, it's not television, obviously. It is journalism, but there's a lot of computer stuff here and a lot of web stuff and a lot of stuff that really hasn't been worked out yet, so let me make sure that we're not going to have a problem here, that we're going to wind up killing this thing after a few weeks because of the pain in the neck factor. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I said, let me play with it. And I I had thought about doing a whiskey podcast at the time, but I hadn't really moved forward with it. Um, I asked folks on the old Whiskey Magazine message boards back in mid-2005, hey, if I produce a whiskey podcast, would you guys listen to it? And the response was to a a person, uh, what's a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I said, okay, we're not going there yet. That was before
1: Google, wasn't it?
0: (laughs) oh not that much (laughs) so i said to myself well if i produce a few whiskey podcasts it's not going to put the company's brand on the line if nobody listens it's no big deal but we get to i can play with Mm -hmm. it so i took the digital uh, mini disc recorder i was using at the time and went out to whiskey fest did a few interviews started producing a few podcasts and people said Oh, this is what you mean by a podcast. This is like a radio show. <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, exactly, guys. That's what I was sort of trying to get at before." And I went back to the bosses and said, "Yeah, we can do this. It's not going to be that complex. It'll require a little bit of a workflow, but we can handle it." Well, six months later, they lay me off, move my studio from New Jersey to Washington, <laughs> and I'm still producing the show uh, with my own equipment, with my home in my home studio at the time. Yeah. And it's just sort of gone on from there. So in reality, I never thought of it as switching from amateur to professional in terms of podcasting. What I thought of it was as a labor of love and sort of my own way to learn more about both whiskey and podcasting by getting to talk to the experts and just sort of growing from there.
2: Huh. that's great! What to, so? It, what got you into whiskey? How? What was your sort of? Were you always uh, a whiskey guy? You just sort no. of no. Give us the uh, give yeah, us what, a scoop what is your that.
0: origin story for whiskey? Yeah, <laughs> okay, this is real simple one. I've told this one a couple of times. Um, I can almost pinpoint it down to the month. I think probably October, November twenty. Or I'm sorry, October, November nineteen ninety seven. My grandmother had died earlier in the year. She was living in Florida. And at the time, I was working in television news for uh, the NBC station up in Anchorage, Alaska. And I was having to go down to Florida to uh, Sarasota to take care of her estate. In Sarasota, there's a, at the time, Michael's on East is one of sort of the uh, great bars and restaurants in Sarasota. But they also had what they called the Tasting Room, which was a separate little place over by Sarasota County Hospital. Hmm. or sarasota general hospital i think is the name and this was a cool little place about the size of a house but one side of it was this little wine and dessert bar and spirits bar and the other half was a retail liquor store right and you could go in the uh, the dining room side sit down at the bar have a glass of wine or a glass of whiskey or a beer or whatever uh, something to eat and then if you found something you liked you could walk over into the retail store and buy it and take it home well, I'd been going in there getting wine and beer, and at the time, my experience with whiskey had been what we all had in college, with uh, drinking shots and getting hammered and getting sick and saying, I'm not touching this stuff ever again. Well, one night I walk into the tasting room, and they're doing a special with a flight of single malts for like $15 right, <laughs> from, uh, from Scotland, and this was 97 so the price was cheap. Mm -hmm. today that would have been like 40 or 50 bucks right right yeah and i thought at the time okay let me see if i can move past beer and wine and learn to like and see if i like something other than beer or wine so i said okay it's 15 bucks i put my credit card down on the counter and said to the bartender okay teach me what you know and he pulls out four glencairns of uh single malts from around scotland i do not remember what they were (laughs) that's gonna be our question damn but they were from all four of the major regions right there was a highland there was an island i don't think there was a lowland i I forget what they were but they were from the different regions of scotland and i immediately picked up on the differences and said i could get used to this (laughs) right and at the end of the night, I went over to the retail side and I didn't have a lot of room in my suitcase. So I bought a set of three Balvenie miniatures and Yay. took them back to Alaska. Wow. And then gradually started getting slowly into trying it. And then by the time I was in New Jersey in 98 and really into 99, 2000, I was exploring a little bit, and then it got sort of gradually more and more into exploration and learning more about it until by about 2004, 2005, I'd sort of become a whiskey geek. And then in the fall of 2005, WhiskeyCast began, and it's been completely downhill from there since. (laughs) <laughs> it's descended into madness. It, yeah, at
1: this point, you've got an entire room dedicated to podcasting and your whiskey collection. <laughs> and whiskey. Um, oh, you, you showed us. uh You showed photos on on your uh, Twitter feed uh of of your whiskey cabinet. Your your which is just basically a giant
0: wall. um Oh no! Wait a second! Wait a second! I got. I have to explain. Yes, this because before about a few weeks ago, right before before Thanksgiving in the states in late November. Uh, a lot of that stuff was stored away in the laundry room, or it was on shelves in an old uh, antique armoire and stuff like that. I give my wife, Christina, complete credit for this. She went nuts on Craigslist <laughs> yep, and found not just one set of shelves, but two really cool sets of shelves for under about 600 to $700 from people who were remodeling houses and selling off old shelves and stuff like that but she found these shelving units for me that not only hold all the whiskey but they fit into the basement in this case three giant bookshelves that fit with one inch to spare (laughs) wow Wow. to the rafters in the basement
2: that's impressive
0: and she nailed this and pulled it all together and before and really made it a workable space for the whiskey collection before it had just been bottles stacked on shelves and uh, stacked on the the kind of wireframe uh, wire uh shelves that you'd find at the uh, hardware store things like that but she turned it into a show place that i can actually feel comfortable bringing people into that's
2: awesome well and then and so to follow up with that what what did you pull off the shelf to drink with us here today what what are you what are you drinking
0: I pulled off the uh, table one of the bottles that I still needed to do tasting notes on. I think I'll have to double check on this one. But uh, a bottle of High West Campfire, which is their uh, blend of straight rye whiskey, straight bourbon whiskey, and blended malt scotch whiskey. It's uh, pretty unusual. It's bottled at about 46% ABV. And I have not nosed it yet. I'm just sort of holding my glass here, and uh, it smells pretty good, though.
1: Yeah, High West, uh, and that, that's a fantastic distillery and a great story. They made some money on that uh, that, pro- <laughs> that distillery. <laughs> was it a uh, whiskey magazine named it the best uh, distillery, or is it Whiskey Advocates named it the best distillery? Whiskey Advocate yeah.
0: gave them the uh, Distiller of the Year honors.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think it's a good move. I, I've always enjoyed High West's whiskeys. I've always liked what High West has done.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: they're still really in the early stages of making their own juice, though. Yeah so it'll be a, it'll be a couple more years before we really get to see what what they're making themselves out in utah but uh, i i'm happy for david perkins and all the folks out there because i i think constellation will do well by them yeah mm-hmm. yeah
2: mhm mhm for sure uh, and mark other mark, mark or, uh, whiskey topic mark. <laughs> whiskey topic mark. Um, <laughs> what do you drink? I've got myself a
1: bottle of uh, Willett, uh Barrel Number Four Three Eight. Whatever that means. Fifty-eight point three percent alcohol, and it is uh, aged for eleven years. So uh, nice, nice, wonderful bullet uh, Willett bourbon, rather.
2: Did you say fifty-eight percent?
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Hello. Yeah. You
1: know. <laughs> cast strength, right? I thought that was... <laughs>
2: cast, cast strength. You just get right into exactly, it, you know? Exactly, Just go for it. Um, and I have the, uh, the... My current sort of fave from Balvenie. Um, uh, I got it in a little care package they sent over uh, right before the holidays. The 15-year uh, sherry cask single barrel, um, which is so beautiful. And the finish on it is so long and soft and gentle it just blows my mind i can't get over this whiskey like i keep like my favorite from the whole lineup is the caribbean cask but this one i keep i keep um i keep revisiting and wondering if i have to change my mind on that one um because i just love this sherry finish i just yeah so i've got a lot of belvenny to blow through right now um but also got like some really fun stuff uh, for christmas i got a i got a pikesville rye before it leaves Ontario, yes. I'm sure I got one of the last bottles of Pikesville that was available here.
0: The old or uh, the new?
2: The, uh, the new. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so, oh, uh, there's something else that I got for Christmas and I've already forgotten what it was <laughs> well, sorry
1: Trent your birthday party your birthday party was pretty great we drank a lot of Bill Vinny
0: that day because <laughs> yeah, just
2: yeah you guys you guys helped yourself to uh <laughs> I was like just don't touch those two bottles don't touch the 25 well, well your colleague
0: Gemma down in New York sent me uh, samples of uh, batches two and three of the ton 1509 that I've not Ooh, tasted yet so excellent uh, I've got I- I'm looking batch forward three. to tasting those
2: yes batch three is really really interesting stuff um, and actually I'm going to to uh, visit Gemma in the, in the spring I believe I'm going to go tool around with her And, and watch her in action So uh, that's going to be super fun but,
0: We'll so- alert the police <laughs> Yeah,
1: Bring <laughs> bail money
2: <laughs> Excellent advice <laughs>
1: Oh the brand ambassador job It is wonderful
0: <laughs> yeah, is, is, so, there, uh, uh, is there
1: like a You know a lawyer on standby In case you get yourself in trouble Is that how that works That <laughs> should be
2: I am very responsible, You Mark. are. That's
1: true. You, you, are, you are. You are. For now. For now.
0: <laughs> well, th- we did a video piece a couple of years ago for WhiskeyCast HD talking to brand ambassadors about their uh, their trials and tribulations and the fun stuff on the road. Right. And there was one story with Ian McCallum from Beam yeah. where he and Peter Curry from Duncan Taylor were out in Victoria. And they wound up being witnesses to a uh, beating outside of a bar, and saw some guy get his butt kicked. Oh no! Oh, no. And wound up having to go down to the to the uh, Victoria Police Station at two in the morning. Oh God and having to uh, give evidence and testimony about what what they saw. And I believe that at least one of them had to go back for a trial at some point or something like that. Oh, no. They weren't involved in the fight, <laughs> but they happened to be standing outside when it happened and saw the whole thing.
2: Saw the whole thing. Oh. oh my gosh. It's like that bartender okay. in
1: New Orleans that, that um, got, got robbed and had, it was like 4 a.m., had no money, no way of getting home, and he just made a nuisance of himself at the bar by lying on top of the bar um, so that they would call the police Police, because they're like, can you call the police? And they're like, well, we we can, but they're not going to come. And they did. And so eventually, just like I'm going to make myself a physical nuisance right here until the police actually come. And they did, and they didn't arrest him So that was good.
2: <laughs> oh, adventures! Oh. Only
1: in New Orleans. Oh yeah, that's for the that's yeah. like tales uh, for the tales of cocktail. Bar- bartenders, brand ambassadors. Yeah, good jobs.
2: Oh, looking forward to it. Uh, do my best to stay out of trouble, you guys. Have, have
1: fun. <laughs>
0: I I don't go to tales of the cocktail. I lived in Houston for 5 years, so I know what the Gulf Coast is like in July. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have no desire to sweat for 5 straight days to sweat and drink for 5 straight days. Uh, it's I, I the last time I was in New Orleans, I was there for a conference for about uh 4 days and felt seriously like going to rehab when I was at, when I left town just because I was going, "Oh my god."
1: Oh, see, I came to Tails as a newlywed. And
0: I I behaved myself the entire time, and I'm going, wait a sec. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: I I went to Tails as a newlywed. So uh, it was kind of post honeymoon. (laughs) It was on the way back home. And uh, I basically went to bed at 3 a.m. And um, surprisingly, that was still early. So I I didn't quite stay up till the 6 a.m. hijinks.
2: I don't, I can't do that, you guys. I have no capacity for that. I, I, I can do, I can do okay, but I don't do like six o'clock in the morning. Like I'm, I'm far too much of a homebody to do that. Um,
0: but well, get yeah. Get used that sound of the siren behind you because you're <laughs> going to hear a lot more of it in your current job. <laughs>
2: You guys are making me nervous.
1: <laughs> oh man. Well um so you've um you've been around for such a long time, uh, in the whiskey world. Uh, you know, way ahead of the curve on on podcasting, but also there's been a lot of new mediums coming out. Um, Instagram, for example, I think has kinda like really been uh been a big deal in uh in uh, whiskey conversations uh, you had like scotch uh, scotch trooper that ma- made it to mashable um tell us like kind of your experience with different mediums and whiskey conversations from the message boards the podcasting to to other things going on like how have you seen that con- uh, transformation happen
0: when i started out you basically had things like the whiskey magazine message boards which was about it because twitter we didn't really have then facebook we had but You met people on there, but there wasn't as much conversation, and people weren't posting pictures of every meal they eat or every (laughs) bottle they drink and every single dram and all that stuff. And it was a conversation at that point, but as with all conversations and all parties, the longer things go on, the more things degenerate a bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And part of me is... Really reticent to say this, but uh, the jerk factor has really sort of gotten out of hand a lot on Facebook and Twitter, Yeah. especially. And I don't see it. I try to ignore it to, as much as I can. Fortunately, they don't direct much of it at me. But I see people on Twitter and Facebook saying things that they would never say to anybody in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we talk and about that on
1: the podcast. It's it's pretty bad. And, and that bothers yeah. me. Uh,
0: it's, it's a lot less civil than it used to be and people are trying to one up each other and trying to uh trying to sort of prove who has the most whiskey knowledge and all that and i'm just going guys that's not what this is all about mm-hmm. yeah part of social media is being sociable to begin with and wanting to have people talk to you and when i get the trolls out there that do start firing comments at me i just try to block them and ignore them yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah, it's 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 definitely something that we've talked about before, especially you know being a female on social media. For me, uh, it's I, you get to be a little bit of a target sometimes. Um, and it's funny, even being like a Canadian who you know talks a lot about bourbon, like people would come on and say like, "Why are you bothering talking about?" like American whiskey, like you should probably stick to Canadian whiskey or like just sort of comments like that. And so, you know, taking the, the I've, I've talked about this a couple of times, like taking the social media break and just logging off um because it is it gets pretty intense if something comes out in the news or were just talking about the whole bookers thing bookers raising their prices people go absolutely bonkerinos on the internet it causes such turmoil and then people get into it with each other and it's you know everyone writes a, a think piece on it and then and then everyone goes bonkers again and it's and there's just rumors and there's this and there's that and and it's just a it's a really interesting phenomenon. I'm I'm with you on the the block and ignore for sure. Um because it, you could really get bent out of shape um if you took everything that people said to you on social media to heart. It would hurt. Oh
0: yeah, especially with the anonymity that social yeah. media provides. Uh mm-hmm. I I generally don't respond very often to people who hide behind an alias. Yeah. And don't at least post their real name. Yeah. And I won't mention any aliases of the people who offend me the most. But uh, I generally don't take anything that anybody with an anonymous handle says seriously. Yeah. Unless they post in their profile why they do an anonymous handle. It's because they've been attacked or something like sure. that before. If they've got a good reason sure. for it, I understand that completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... My feeling is that if you're going to say something, have the guts to put your name on it for crying out loud. Own it up. Yes. Own your words. Yeah. Own your attitudes. If you're going to say something obnoxious, yeah. put your name on it. If I say something obnoxious on Twitter, and I have, and I will again, <laughs> Great. and right. I, I'm sure I will, um, I'm going to put my name on it. And yeah. if people don't like it, that's fine. I can live with that. Yeah. I'm a big boy. I've yeah. been criticized many times before. Mm-hmm. Uh, You don't do 35 years in broadcast journalism without uh, resulting in a few phone calls to your boss going, (laughs) 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 Mark did this, Mark did that. (laughs) Then you get the voicemail from the boss. Mark, you can't say that. I'm going, I didn't say that. Trust <laughs> right. me, I didn't say that. I said something close to it, but I didn't say that. <laughs>
2: exactly.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it's true. So, it's true. The, uh... But that's the, that's the pleasure of doing WhiskeyCast. If I say something on the show, I own my words. Mm-hmm. And I'll say it under my name, and I don't care what the repercussions are, generally.
1: But I try to be fair. Um, Let's go to Twitter and answer a listener question. And this one is from Bourbon Gents, which uh, they do a bourbon podcast out of the UK uh, specifically. Um, And they kind of asked a funny question. So they asked, what's your most frequently asked question? And can you please answer it um, yet again? So, uh, Mark, what is your most frequently asked question?
0: (laughs) Most frequently asked question. That's awesome. Well, my my joke when I saw that on the Twitter feed (laughs) was, can you help me find some pappy? (laughs) And I'm going... (laughs) Hell, I can't even get any paid, <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, and I kid about that facetiously, but actually my most frequently asked question is, I'm traveling to such and such a place. What whiskies should I look for when I'm there? Oh, boy.
1: That sounds like my everyday life. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And because one of the pleasures of doing this show is that I've had the chance to travel a bit. But I haven't been been able to go to places. I haven't been to Japan yet, for instance. Mm -hmm. So I can't always say, if you're going to the duty-free shop at Narita Airport in Tokyo, what's available there. Right. But the cool thing about it is that we probably have had listeners who fly through there or fly through any airport around the world. So that's the cool thing is being able to put that question out to the community and say, okay, I've not flown through X airport, but those of you who have, what do they have? Or it haven't been to X country yet, what whiskey should they be looking for locally? And that's the cool thing is it brings us all together. But that's the question I get probably seven or eight times a year is, I'm flying through, going to visit X country or X airport. I'm flying through there on a layover. What can I find? And if I know the answer, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. But because I generally, when I travel, I'm generally in Scotland or Ireland. So I fly through Heathrow a lot. So I know what they have. I know what the duty-frees in Scotland and Ireland have, but I'm not as conversant with, uh, for instance, uh, duty-free in Paris. I may go through there once a year, but they don't have a great duty-free selection at Charles de Gaulle Airport, so I can't really give you a a good guess on that. And I haven't flown through Frankfurt Airport in years, so I can't give you a good guess there. But we have listeners who have. So I put that question out to the community and say, okay, so-and-so's flying through here. What do they got? so that way I get to learn something too to look out for when I'm flying there.
2: For sure. No. Do you ever get the um what's the best whiskey you've ever had question cuz I get that a lot. What's the best whiskey?
0: And I was like, what do you mean by best whiskey? Yeah, the best whiskey is the one you like the most. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> At any given time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it changes for me from night to night.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's usually how I answer it, but I'm always curious to hear how other people answer that one because it's uh it is a kind of, it catches me every time. I'm just like, uh, 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 and then I don't, I sound like I don't know what I'm talking about and, but really it's, it's, I can't, I can't really qualify best, which, yeah. So I'm always curious. My to answer
0: to that, I usually have two answers. Mm-hmm. First one is, okay, it depends on what you're buying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Or the second is I haven't <laughs> found it yet. Right. Ah. Because I'm still exploring and I'm still looking. Yeah. Yeah. There's no perfect whiskey. There's. I'll never give. A, I don't think I'll ever give a 100 point score to a whiskey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've given a handful of 98s, mm-hmm. and I'd be happy with any of those on a desert island. Yep. But I still want to see if there's anything else better out there. I haven't found a, a perfect yep. whiskey yet. And, and your desert oh. island whiskey may
1: not be that 98 you scored either. It might be something entirely different, right? Like it's it's not. It doesn't always work that
0: way. It'd be whatever I can grab off the baggage cart. <laughs> i <right>. <laughs> <laughs> It'd
1: be like drinking water. Now we'll we'll figure that out on the island. The whiskey, though, that we can't
0: do. And I can I can purify the water. That's <laughs>
2: right. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's and more like
0: I'd go down in a plane with nothing but rum. Oh on boy. It. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh no!
1: <laughs> so, so you're not joining the rum craze because so many whiskey drinkers are screw whiskey. It's too expensive. We we don't like our uh you know, our uh, our bourbon getting more expensive. We don't like our scotch being unavailable or Japanese whiskey. We're just gonna go to rum. And, I, and to be fair, so many people have done this, and few people have followed through on their like journey. They 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 kind of stutter step for a couple of months and then just kind of like quietly go back to whiskey. It seems.
0: <laughs> well, I don't mind rum occasionally. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't mind other spirits. Well, I, I just don't have time to explore them or follow them mm-hmm. because I'm, sp- I'm so focused and there, there's something happening in whiskey every week. I mean, every week on the show, I've got 15 minutes of the show just on news alone of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that alone should tell you that there's a lot going on in whiskey that we need to pay attention to. Oh, absolutely.
1: The fact that you put together a a wonderful show every week with news and interviews, it just tells you so much about the whiskey world. Um, And as Jamie and I, when we started this podcast, we're just going to do the opposite of whatever Mark Gillespie does. Whatever Mark's doing, we're going to do the opposite. Um,
0: You know, a lot of people have succeeded doing exactly that.
1: (laughs) Well, you've got it covered. You've got it covered. You've got news covered. It's um, it's it's.
0: Well, I mean, just no. Picking the exact opposite of whatever I would do, <laughs> and doing the exact opposite. Sort of like the George Costanza thing from Seinfeld. Right, right. <laughs> whatever, whatever Mark does, just do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I'm curious to know in this, in this, so you, you've sort of been ahead of the game in in, in a couple different ways in the, you know, in the, the podcast uh, uh, thing, but also um, what, what are you seeing as uh, like trends in the whiskey community now? Um, you've got your, your finger on the pulse of what's going on. You, you know, you cover the news, you cover everything going on. Can you, can you foresee, can you see into the future, Mark, please? And tell us what the next craze is going to be in whiskey.
0: I'm looking no into pressure. my crystal whiskey glass.
2: <laughs> we all have them, I'm sure.
0: I'm looking into my crystal whiskey gas glass, and it's cloudy. The future is very cloudy. <laughs> and I'm actually... So well, it's, not chill filtered. it's not chill-filtered. It's not chill-filtered. I
2: was just going to make a chill-filtered
0: <laughs> show. Oh, <Aww>.
2: dang.
0: <laughs> well, I say it's cloudy because I really don't... I'm not sure mm-hmm. where we're going right now. I think we are at a... Uh, I think we're at a crossroads yeah. between... If you look at what's happened over the last month with a distillery sale almost every week, this will be the first week, unless something happens before New Year's, we're not going to have a distillery sale announced this week Mm -hmm. during the holidays. And that'll be the first time in four weeks we haven't had one.
1: That's a good point, yeah.
0: I think we are at a point where I think 2017 is going to be a very interesting year and i say that in terms of the old chinese proverb may you live in interesting times in which interesting is not always good right because we don't know what the impact of the incoming trump administration is going to be they've talked about um raising import tariffs right yeah which might have an impact on scotch and irish whiskey imports into the u.s as well as canadian whiskey imports And we don't know whether that's going to lead to retaliation against American whiskey exports. We don't know whether there's going to be a backlash against American whiskey depending on the relationships that the new president has with countries around the world and whether people are going to start protesting by not drinking American whiskey or buying as much of it. Hmm. We don't know what the impact of Brexit is going to be in terms of whether... Scotland is going to be as effective as the Scottish distillers would like to be in terms of maintaining access to the European markets. If you look at the craft space, I had a real interesting conversation with John Little of Smooth Ambler after he announced the sale of his distillery's majority stake to Pernod Ricard, where he's looking around at all of these craft distillers that are entering the uh, space and thinking... Every time I try to expand my distillery or try to move into a new market, I'm risking losing market share someplace else. Right. Right. And we're hearing people starting to talk about peak whiskey now. I don't know if 2017 is going to be a year that is going to be better than 2016. This could be the first year we have some serious issues come about. And... I hate to be a naysayer on this, but you've got people, as we've just talked about, who are being priced out of the whiskey market at a time when you might just have, have a uh, sort of a peak in whiskey production. Yeah. You've got all these distilleries coming online in Scotland, Ireland, uh, Canada, where craft distilling is just really starting to boom, as well as the U.S., and we don't know that there's really going to be a market for all of this. Yeah. I mean, we can only count on emerging nations to drink so much whiskey. And at some point, there's going to be a shakeout. It happens in every industry, and I don't know if 2017 is going to be the year that it comes to the whiskey industry. Mm -hmm. So that's where my crystal ball is right now. It's really a cloudy future, an unshell-filtered future. (laughs) 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 I'm not so sure that this is going to be a year that we're going to think of fondly. The way we have with 2016 so far. Yeah. Right. And I say that sarcastically. Yep. <laughs> <to finish> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yep. Um, do, you, do you have any uh, opinions you want to state about the Booker's uh, price increase? Because <laughs> I ranted about that last week. I
0: give them credit for being honest about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. In the news release they issued, or in the statement that they sent me a few weeks ago when they announced the price increase, they said, you know what? We think this thing has been underpriced for several years now, and we've been wanting to raise the price, and we're finally doing it. Mm-hmm. We think it's bit—we should have been priced higher than it was for years,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm paraphrasing now, and we didn't want to raise the price, but we're going to raise the price. Right. And mm-hmm. at least they came right out and said, yeah, you know what? We think this thing has been underpriced for years. Right. Yeah. And... I think it's sort of the same thing if you look at the uh, Diageo Classic Malts special releases, Mm -hmm. the way they've jacked up uh, the Port Ellen prices and the Brewer prices over the years. Mm -hmm. I think it's reality hitting that the bean counters finally found out what these things were going for on the secondary market. Mm -hmm. Right. And they've all said, why aren't we capturing that when we sell the stuff? Right. So I can't, I, I think it's only inevitable. Prices go up, prices go down. And... I think we're at the point now where we're starting to see prices hit their peak because, as you noted, we're seeing consumers pushing back now.
1: Yeah, I think the one thing though, with, and you can give us a more U.S. point of view on this, but bookers didn't seem to be having a supply issue. Like, there were always, like, whenever I went to stores in the U.S., and, you know, we, we travel to the U.S. quite often and we're, we always see bookers on the shelves. So I'm like, where's your supply demand issue? You're increasing price uh, and you are decreasing supply, but there doesn't seem to be this shortage of bookers on the shelves.
0: No, there was never a shortage of it, but the, fo- the fact is is that they've always felt it was underpriced because they could keep it on the shelves at that price. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're going to reduce the supply, they're going to jack up the price, and it's this whole trend towards premiumization. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to see it in the bookers or in the uh, bourbon world. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you see uh, the most expensive bourbon that Beam sells is the uh, Jim Beam Distiller's Masterpiece, which I think is about 250 bucks a bottle. Mm-hmm. And it is really a rare whiskey. But they really didn't have a lot of differentiation in their pricing range for the, for their small batch bourbons or for their other premium bourbons. They were all in that 40 to $60 price range. Something had to go up to sort of spread that out a little bit. Right, right. Because when you've got essentially Booker's, Knob Creek, Basil, Hayden's, and Baker's all priced in that 40 to $50 range, and Booker's is the favorite of the bunch among consumers, then I think they had to raise the pricing for that just to get it to the point where you could spread it out and get some more of those people buying the other expressions right. in the series. Yeah. yeah,
2: it's it's super interesting too. The thinking about um, sort of the, the the premiumization of of. I think we're even seeing it here in Canada where our whiskey is like for us to buy, you know, a lot 40 or a wiser, you know, uh I think for a long time we also like we underprice our whiskeys here um as well and and uh Oh yeah uh, for sure, and I and I think especially of like Forty Creek, um, you know, having having always been so sort of, we're very humble about you know our our whiskeys here, but with the the you know introduction of you know Wiser's last barrels and things like that, um, and and sort of again we're seeing that that same sort of thing as always a little slower in Canada than in in the states, but um, but yeah, no, it's a that's a really interesting like it's a really good point. I think we're going to start seeing that probably more here as as well in the next little while and people will not be terribly pleased about it i mean if lot 40 got more expensive i'd be i'd be a little irritated but it probably is actually underpriced
0: well yeah compared here. to what they're charging for scotch whiskeys up there yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and what the lcbo and the monopoly states or monopoly provinces charge there's a room for the Canadian yeah. whiskey market to raise its pricing to yeah. become more com- more yeah. comparable to scotches because the scotch prices I've seen up there are outrageous. <laughs> yes, <But laughs> they are. <laughs> my, my argument for years is that Canadian whiskey has been suffering from an inferiority complex in Canada. Totally. Yeah. Yes. You guys don't realize how good that stuff really is. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And yeah. I've always enjoyed Canadian whiskey. And yeah. I've always considered it to be a great bargain because if you guys really thought about it, the pricing, mm-hmm. you should be, you should be paying at least probably half more, half again as much as what you're paying for it. Yeah. Based on quality alone. For sure. Because there are some outstanding Canadian whiskeys being made. Yeah. 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 Now I'm going to get killed when I go to Victoria in a few weeks for saying that. We're saying that yes, you guys should be paying fifty percent more for your whiskey. Oh, whoa, whoa!
1: Nobody said fifty <laughs> yeah. percent. We, we were nodding our heads at twelve percent. We weren't saying fifty yeah. percent. Come on, Mark. <laughs> I said fifty. percent so.
2: no. I think no. I, and I and I think I've, I mean I've heard this before. Um, you know, in the sort of you know in the industry, like it's it, it. We we are under underpricing. We're very very like you know like you said we we sort of don't we don't put place the value on it that that. that that it, it deserves yeah. um, And I wouldn't be surprised If some of the prices Started going up As they probably could And, and maybe should Oh
1: yeah um, Mark's right I mean like yeah. Lot 40 for, for 40 bucks You can you could easily pay 50, 60 bucks for that Unfortunately
2: For sure No yeah. I know I mean I don't want Let's to
0: but. Lot 40 for $40 Canadian 78% or 76% yeah. So yeah I could pay 30 bucks for that American <laughs> I'll, I'll, do, I'll gladly do that <laughs> uh.
1: Oh, my god! Sorry, gosh. couldn't resist. No, no, love no, it, love, it, love yeah, it. I know, I know. I, I love that you, uh, used the, the, you used the correct number, because the joke would have been like, oh, love, you know, Canadian dollars divide by three. Okay, what's a third <laughs> of this? <laughs>
0: it's $10. I was giving you crap. power. I actually, was, it's, I've said 76%. I was thinking it's more like about 72 or something like that. <laughs> it
1: is. <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> oh no
2: oh my gosh so mark gillespie not mark bylock although mark bylock are you coming to victoria um, i you, might you, be, you're gonna be able to swing it. i might be okay
1: there.
0: yeah we'll see okay so well, if you don't have tickets for anything you're not coming you might as <laughs> well bother because you won't get into anything. <laughs> no 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 they're I, all,
1: I, sold out i've got it in for tickets it's just a matter of the rest of the trip <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I have never been. Um, I get to go on that trip in, in my first official capacity as um, brand ambassador for Balveni. So, it will be a, a really fun experience. Um, our global brand ambassador for Balveni, I think, is also going to be there. Um, and it looks to be fun. So, okay, so for Mark Bilak, have you ever been to Victoria before?
0: I though? have not, no.
2: Okay, so, uh, Mark, what are the things that I need to know about Victoria? Is there any tips for me?
0: One, don't bother bringing your winter coat from Toronto. You won't oh, need it. Okay, okay. that's good. <laughs> Because it's a lot warmer and wetter in that's uh, Victoria. Right. The weather's okay. usually nice. Yeah. I, I love Victoria and the Victoria Festival. It is one of my hi- the highlights of the year for me every year uh, because everybody that shows up knows their stuff. They appreciate good whiskey. Uh, you get the distilleries bringing their best stuff to Victoria. Awesome. The master classes are all excellent. Uh, I've got a lot of respect for the organizers of the festival, and the fact that they do it all as volunteers and everything that's left over uh, financially after they pay all the bills goes to children's charities in the uh, Vancouver Island Victoria area. Awesome. So I I love that festival. Uh, this year I'm going to actually be leading a uh, tasting on the Thursday night, one of the opening night tastings with eight uh, of the British Columbia craft distillers. Nice. Great. That's awesome. And awesome. talking about some of the issues with, uh, that uh, they're facing out there with the laws and with the uh, support from the government and being able to sell their whiskeys and all those things. But we're also going to taste each one is bringing one of their own products.
2: Wow, that'll be great. A
0: few that aren't even on the market yet. So that's going to be fun.
2: Excellent.
0: And I'm looking forward to another fun year.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a great way to start the year. To it get is. Get off on the right foot.
0: I, I think if you have the chance to go to the, the uh, Victoria Whiskey Festival at least once, you ought to do it. Uh, it's oh. just, it is not like a number of whiskey festivals that turn into drunk fests. Oh, that's uh, good. <laughs> they limit uh, the number of tickets that are sold to their grand tasting, um, anybody that gets overserved gets a uh, cab ride home. Yeah. at uh, the organizer's expense oh, wow that's great yeah, yeah and they actively look for people who are trying to over imbibe and get them out of there quickly they, right. they keep a pretty good clamp on things but the questions you hear and the conversations uh when you're in the lobby at the hotel grand pacific and you'll just run into uh 10 or 15 people sitting around talking about whiskeys wow. the conversations are, and around the bar are really what makes the weekend for me yeah Nice. Uh,
1: and, and like you said, the the tickets are sold out. You, you can't um, – this is good plans to make for next year uh, if you're – because they do sell out within, like, days of announcement. Well,
0: they sell out – the tickets go on sale the first Saturday of November every year at the Strath in downtown Victoria. But if you're coming in from the out-of-town, the Hotel Grand Pacific has a number of uh, hotel room and ticket packages available the day before. Okay. Interesting that those generally sell out, but those are only available to out of towners. So right. it is possible to get tickets for Victoria if you're coming in from out of town. You just go through the hotel Grand Pacific to do it first. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes.
2: That's good tip absolutely so that uh, that's going to be fun and if you're going to be there um you know feel free to tweet us or or um give us a little shout out on facebook um and
1: uh we would the hashtag
0: they use by the way this year is hashtag vwf 2000 or 2017 perfect VWF 2017 is the hashtag they'll use this year
1: i I love it when an organization has a hashtag already this is perfect that's exactly what you need
0: because
2: that's where you're going to find the conversations and that's where you're going to be like, oh, look, so-and-so is here and so-and-so is there. And you can also, you know, find new Twitter friends, some, you know, nice Twitter friends that use their real names and put their real pictures up. <laughs> and put um, things
0: like, gee, I wish I was there with you this
2: week That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And uh, Mark Gillespie, where can we find you on, uh, on the social media channels?
0: Just look for at WhiskeyCast on everything. That's where we're at on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram.
2: And Mark Bylock, where can we find you? I'm at
1: Mark Bylock, M A R K B Y L O K.
2: And I am still at Bourbon Thing. Are you going to change that? Um, What's going to
1: happen? The internet wants to know. Yeah, I don't know. I, that now. I know. No I think. Things.
2: I know, I know, right? I got to figure out. I got to figure out. I will say that you know they're they're really great, and they're like, listen, like if you want to keep that bourbon thing, you can. And I was like, I think I'm going to change it, but I have to. I have to. You know, it has to be witty and and fun and fancy free. So I've got a I got to roll some ideas around in my head. But as it stands right now, uh, everything is still at bourbon thing. Um, well, plus and- the moment you
1: change it, you got to reclaim bourbon thing with another email address because otherwise somebody else will claim it. So you got to make sure you...
0: Or you animation. keep bourbon thing for your personal stuff and claim a Balvenie uh, there one for the work related things. I know I got to
2: figure out the best way to do this, you guys. It's gonna be it's gonna be one of my tasks for the next couple of days. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so Mark, thank you so much for for coming on uh, for for coming on the podcast. We wouldn't be here if not for you. That's for sure. Um, because you are thank a you. trailblazer and you are you set the bar very high for whiskey Podcast. So uh, we are you know just trying to be as <laughs> I say we're just trying to be as professional. Oh god! You, never, I didn't oh, know never. if I was being. <laughs> I didn't know if I was being serious. <laughs> no, you were not. I was like, oh gosh, we're not actually that professional. No, um But uh, but we really appreciate you coming on, and it's great. Uh, it was great to have you. It was a great chat. So thank you. Thank you so
0: thank much. Thank you for, for having me. I really appreciate it. Cheers Cheers.